This morning, we are starting a new series called Binge Reading the Bible. Now, when you hear the word binge, what comes to mind? Don't say that out loud. Well, when the word binge, the word binge means to devote a short period of time to indulge in an activity to excess. A lot of times, this, is, this refers to eating or someone uh, binging out when it comes to eating. Now, when I hear the word binge or, or binging out, uh, nowadays I usually think of someone sitting down and watching a TV show or a TV series on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. This person, of course not me, has a whole day, Saturday, another free day otherwise, they spend the whole day watching, let's just say, The Flash or The Office or as many Star Wars movies as they can get in. Again, not talking about me, just, just, just generally speaking. They do this the whole day long, or as much as they can. It's also referred to as Netflix and chill. Is that the right lingo? I think I got that down. I, I think I'm not that old. So, I'm gonna... so you just sit there and you watch your favorite series, going from one episode to the next as much as you can at one time. Well, I want to take the idea of binge-watching and switch gears a little bit, and let's think about binge-reading, particularly binge-reading the Bible. And since you can't read too much of God's Word, we're not worried about this becoming a bad thing. You see, there's so much to learn and to understand about the Word of God. For instance, did you know that the Bible is not one book, but it's a book made up of 66 books. There were 40 authors from all different walks of life who wrote these 66 books. These 66 books are full of all different kinds of literature, poetry, history, letters, prophecy, figures of speech, and so much more. It's written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. And then many of these books were written over hundreds of hundreds of years apart from each other. You know, it's really no wonder that many of us have a hard time understanding the Scriptures. And so that's why I want us to, over the next six to seven weeks, take a deep, deep dive into the Bible. I want us to look at the different parts and try to understand what they mean and how it all relates to us today. Because here's the thing. While the Bible's made up of 66 different books, written by 40 different authors, and made up of different literatures across hundreds and hundreds of years, and written in three different languages, this is what 2 Timothy 3 says. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Forty different authors may have put pen to paper or ink to scroll or chisel to rock, but God inspired them and the words they wrote. And so these words, we believe, give us everything that we need for salvation and for teaching and training in right living. And so I'm excited about binging out with you in the Bible. 
And over the next several weeks, I'm going to be slicing up the Bible in, in different ways and different parts to help us better understand what's in it. We have what's called the Pentateuch, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. We have the historical books that tell us about the judges and the kings and the formation of, of Israel. We also have the wisdom literatures, which is uh, Proverbs and Psalms and a few others. We then have the prophets. Then we move on to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we have the epistles, which were the letters that were written to the early churches and the early church leaders. And then we're going to end with the apocalyptic literature. Those are the books like Revelation that deal with end times. But like with any good book, you need to start at the beginning. Sometimes our tendency is to look at the final chapter or the last page to find out the ending first, but then you know, that ruins it, right? And in order to understand the ending and, and to understand everything in between, you first got to start at the beginning. So as I said, the first part of the Bible is called the Pentateuch. That simply means five books. And it refers to the first five books of uh, the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Jews refer to, it, to this as the Torah. This, is, this was, for the longest time, their Bible. It's all they had. You see, the Pentateuch or the Torah tells the story of creation, tells the story of the fall of humanity, tells the story of our redemption, tells the story of God giving uh, the law, and it tells of the covenant made between God and humanity. This section of the Bible introduces key aspects that will be seen throughout the rest of Scripture, such as living out uh, God's commands. Each of the five books have their specific purpose, but the five of them as a whole offers a way for us as readers and as followers of Christ to understand the origins of our faith. It also helps to understand the basis for the New Testament. Right here in my hands is one of my seminary books. Whew. It is called Wesley and the People Called Methodist. This was for my uh, uh, Methodist history class. Um, and it's basically a history book about John Wesley and how John Wesley, the founder of a Methodist church, founded and created the Methodist church. Now listen, if I went, if I skipped the, the beginning and I skipped the middle and I went to the end, um, and that's all I read, not only would I fail the class, but I would get to how the early church started, but I wouldn't get to understand who John Wesley was. I wouldn't understand that John Wesley was, was born in England, that he actually started as an Anglican priest, that when he came over to the States, he actually was not very successful. And I wouldn't understand any of all the history of how our church got formed. You see, when we fail to read the beginning of the story, we miss the whole reason for the ending. If we as Christians fail to read the beginning of our story, the Pentateuch, the Torah, we fail to understand why Jesus came to save us. We need to start at the beginning to understand everything in between and to certainly understand the ending. So to help to understand the beginning of the story, I want us to turn back our attention to the scripture that I read from Deuteronomy 6. It's referred to as the Great Shema, which means... He uh, hear, O Israel. Earlier in Deuteronomy 5 and, and in Exodus 20, Moses had received the Ten Commandments from God and he had delivered them to the Israelite people. 
These were the instructions for how God would interact with his people and how his people would interact with him. God had created humanity. We had fallen. God had redeemed us. And now these were the instructions, the commandments for how God and humanity would relate to one another. And so after, after revealing the Ten Commandments, God sums up these commands and urges his people, he urges us to devote themselves to God. Hear, hear it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. If you remember in the Gospels, Jesus was confronted and he was asked, Teacher, which of the commandments are the greatest? In his answer, Jesus says that the greatest commandment is the great Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And he added the command to love your neighbor as yourself. What we find in the Pentateuch and here in our scripture is the basis for how we are to relate to God. We are to soak in God's word. We are to learn it, we're to know it, and some might say we're to binge on it. Listen to the way that Moses instructs the Israelites. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God's word is supposed to be something that we soak in and that just becomes a part of us. And on this Father's Day, we're reminded that God's Word is supposed to be at the center of the family structure. I don't know about you, but that puts a lot of pressure on me as a parent, on me as a father. And I often think I fail. Pretty sure I fail. Really glad Hunter's not here today. Hunter just turned 10 uh, this year. But this, the, obviously the year before that, he was 9. I don't know if you know math very well or not. But both Kristen and I had this revelation. He was halfway from being 18 and out of the house, at least we hope. And then we thought, have we done enough? Are we teaching him what he needs to know about God and the Lord and the Word? I mean, pressure is real. But then you read this passage and it's like, yeah, I am definitely not living up to this standard. God's Word is meant to be a part of us just like air is needed for us to breathe. It's almost like as we consume God's word, God's word consumes us and everything about us and every aspect of our lives. You know, I started out talking about binging out on TV shows and I talked about Netflix and chilling. And when we talk about binging out or 
binge watching or binge eating. What we're really talking about is something consuming us. We let things consume us. Look around our world, our society, and we see people that are consumed by things. People are consumed by sports, consumed by games, consumed by TV shows and celebrities. We're consumed by politics. We're consumed by drugs. We're consumed by relationships. You name it, we're consumed by it. There's so many choices and so many things for us to be consumed with. So let me ask you, let let me ask you and, and let me ask myself as I ask you, when's the last time you were consumed by the Bible? When's the last time God's word consumed you? When's the last time you or I binge read the Bible like we binge watch our favorite shows? Again, I ask this of myself as I ask this of you. Our passage this morning and this series as a whole invites us to be consumed by the living, breathing, active word of God. We are invited to soak in God's word so that it becomes a part of us as we wake up and as we go to bed, when we leave the house and as we come back in the house, when we go to work, when we go to school, when it starts back, and everywhere in between. Let us be consumed by the word of God. So before we leave this place, I want to leave you with some next steps. Here's some practical things you can do this next week as we begin to dig deep into the Word of God. Here's the first thing. I want you to binge read the Pentateuch. Hmm, yes, I heard some, heard some groans. And rightly so. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Woo! Those of you who've read the Scriptures throughout, or at least you... You started in January and you got to like Leviticus and Numbers and you stopped. I get it. But I challenge you. Those of you. Yeah, I challenge you. (laughs) To read the first five books of the Bible this week. And you say, well, how if I do that? How am I going to? I'm not asking you to read for full understanding. If you come across questions, you know, take a notepad, write them down, look at them later. But binge read the first five books of the Bible to know how the beginning of the story starts. To understand why Jesus came to save us. That that God created us and and we, we screwed that up and he's come to redeem us. Yes, some of it is dated. Some of it's thousands of years ago and it's hard for us to understand But read it. Read it. And again, if you have questions, write them down, search them out later. But just get a a sense of how the story starts. I challenge you. And then two, find ways to introduce God's word into your family structure and your daily life. Maybe you already do morning devotions or evening devotions. Um, 
individually or, or as a family. May, well, maybe find, go ahead and, and, and go further. Find ways to talk about God's word at lunch and at meals, at work, again, at school when it starts back. Fathers, parents, we've got to find ways to impress God's word on our children as the scripture says. You've been challenged. Remember that. Let us all be consumed by the living, breathing, active word of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is alive and active still today. It's not just words on a, on a page, but as we read them, they come alive. And while they were written to people many, many, many years ago, amazing how you use those words to speak to us today lord yes there there are things in there that we don't quite understand and but yet there are things that do speak to us so let us not be afraid let us have an enthusiasm let us be consumed by your word i want to pray that you would give us all a thirst a thirst and a hunger for your word. We ask all these things in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.